Gentlemen, welcome back to the Being Husband Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan West, bringing you guys another episode here, telling you guys, like I always do, thank you for being a part of what it is we're doing here. And if you've been with us for any length of time, then you know what we're all about. You know that we're about helping men to live on mission in their marriage. And yes, that is a different tagline than what I've said in the past. So it's okay. Let it breathe. We're going to get past it. It's all good. And the reason why I changed it, guys, is just I'm trying to sum up these things. I'm trying to get this more succinct, more brief, if you will. And so, guys, I'm glad to be back with you this week. Uh, It has been an interesting week, been a a fun week, been working on a lot of different projects for this podcast in particular. Uh, Worked with a guy, uh, and I'll introduce him after a while, but been working with a guy here lately on some branding and working on a website, actually, kind of getting one developed that's a little bit more functioning. So really excited about that. Uh, More to come on that soon. Uh, We've also... My wife and I, we put our desk together (laughs) this weekend, and that's fun, and that's good, and that took some time, but we got it together, and we're excited uh, to get this office up and going from the ironing board that you guys saw. If you follow my Instagram, uh, at underscore Jonathan West, then you will see that I have been operating, recording on an ironing board for (laughs) quite a while, actually, since we've moved into this new house. Uh, But we are getting some things rolling now. We've got a desk in here now, and we are just getting started. We're just getting this thing underway. So I appreciate you guys uh, really dealing with kind of these transitions and different things happening. So, This episode is a conversation uh, that I got to have with some friends of the show, uh, Doc Hillary Lampers and her husband, Ryan Lampers. They're really good friends of the show and just fantastic people. Just really great people. Give them a follow at StahealthyHunter. He'll leave that information uh, at the bottom of this conversation. But I just wanted to tell you guys, these folks are the real McCoys. Um, I, I really enjoy them because I'm... You could call me, I guess, maybe a little hippie, right? I, I like the idea of growing my own food, growing our own food in the in the backyard of my house, living off the land, you know, going out and hunting for meat. I, I like that idea, and, and in part because, and we've talked about this before, I, I grew up in the suburbs, right? And I grew up in the city where everything's fast-paced. You get stuff delivered to your house. TV's on demand. You know, you're texting people that are right next to you, stuff like that. And so talking with the Lampers, you just kind of get a different taste of how life can can be. And and you look at people like that and you're like, wow, that's crazy. They live like that. Uh, But I... I think it's inspiring and I think it's something that we can all learn from. This conversation took a a crazy turn. I was really selfishly this was a conversation for me to help set up our uh, garden that we want to get going in the backyard. Um, and so it was really for me, but I, I wanted to record it because I think that they're good people and, and share that with you guys. Um, but it ended up taking a really interesting turn and we talked about a lot of different things. And I'm just like this conversation will tell you, I could talk to the Lampers for hours and hours and hours and hours. I mean, I and I had to cut it off because I tried not to keep these shows too awful long. So 
uh, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and get into today's episode. Uh, but one last thing before I do, I just want to thank again, the patrons that we've got that donate to us guys. It doesn't mean much to you, you know, for you to, you know, throw two bucks or five bucks or whatever the case is here, you know, every month, but it means a lot to me. It really shows that what we're doing is having impact and what we're doing uh, what we're getting from you guys whenever you guys decide to donate allows us to be able to grow, allows us to be able to think into the future as to how we can better help you guys. So if, if you feel led to do that, if you don't, that's fine. Leave a rating or review. We'll talk more about it at the end of the episode, too. But um, we just want this to be beneficial and we want this to be beneficial for the as many men, really, as it possibly can be. Uh, marriage is hard. And navigating this thing of leading a household is a challenge. And so more men, I think, need to hear from another man that's going through the same thing. Uh, and they need to be brought into the conversation, which is why we started uh, the Facebook group. So it's Being Husband Facebook group. You can find us there. Uh, if you go to Facebook.com slash Being Husband, uh, you, you can find that group there. And if not, I'll leave a link in the show notes for you guys to be able to find that more easily. Uh, that's a place really where we're just having conversations. I, I, right now I'm doing a lot of the talking, <laughs> uh, but it's cool. I mean, there, there are some folks that have responded. I appreciate uh, those of you that have, and we've been able to have some dialogue on some different things. I kind of wasn't as active on it this past week, but I intend to be more active on it this upcoming week just because I think it's good to interact with you guys. I, I want this to be moving forward. I, I, I want being husband to be less about me and me talking behind this mic and, you know, kind of pretending that I have everything going on. Right. And, and it's not, it's not as though I'm pretending, but I'd be lying if I told you that I wasn't trying to, put my best foot forward if I wasn't trying to showcase myself in a way that is put together right because that's what you do that's important to do that to present yourself well but the reality is is that I struggle just like you guys with trying to manage a household trying to manage uh, work trying to manage this you know I've got different things that I'm doing uh, that I believe God's called me to participate in and to get better at those things, I really need a community of guys around me holding me accountable. And I know you guys need that too. So that's why we created the Facebook group. Uh, we'll probably create some other groups in the future that might even be more uh, in line with uh, the website coming soon. But more to come on that. With that being said, let's go ahead and jump into today's episode. One big conversation with the Lampers. All right, Lampers, welcome to the podcast. How are you guys doing? We're, We're doing, doing great. Doing great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Little hesitancy there. What for? I think uh, I was waiting for my my wife's the talker, and yep. usually she jumps in. I usually kind of sit back and uh, and let her go. So I was waiting for her to talk, but yeah, man, she's but looking we, at me like I should say something. We have so. a competition going on actually because <laughs> we host a podcast and. He always makes me start the podcast, and then we have this like tussle every time we, when we press play, or when we press record. You know, who's mm. gonna say the first word? And it usually is me, because he will never give in. He will I, wait and wait and wait. I think what it is is uh, I know what's good, and I know what flows, and I know who's better at certain things. And my wife is typically better at most things, so. Uh, I see it. 
It's a strategic decision. It is. <laughs> what do you say? Oh, for the benefit of the listeners, I think so. No, I get it. I get it, man. Thank you guys for, for coming on. Uh, first of all, I, I really appreciate it and all the support you guys are doing. Your your episode uh, that we did, Doc, is the the most listened to episode still to date. It's it's insane, the audience that you guys bring, for real. <laughs> hey, oh, that's great to hear. Yeah, she's, uh, she's, she's pretty good at what she does. She's she's a pretty good doctor she knows a lot of stuff she uh she helps me there it is dude dude being the husband letting your life letting your wife be in the spotlight i like it that's good oh man so i'll go ahead and jump in real quick and just kind of get to it let's hear a little bit about because we you know we know doc hillary from the last episode we had with her but Ron, we haven't met you yet, so tell us a little bit about yourself and and how you fit into the Hunt Harvest Health brand, if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah, when you when you break those words apart, Hunt Harvest Health, I am, uh, I guess, I'm the hunter. Um, Doc is has not taken that on. I I think uh, you know we've come to the realization that's kind of my thing, and um, it works really well. Um, as far as harvesting, you know, I'm, I do, I'm really big into gardening. So gardening has always been a big passion of mine. Um, and, uh, so, you know, everything from out there, you know, scavenging the land for mushrooms to growing a garden, um, kind of homestead life, chickens, raising critters and, and with the hunting aspect, uh, that's my world. And, um, I've just, I've been raised around that and I've really taken to it and it's what I enjoy and love. And, uh, obviously the health part is I reap the benefits of my wife's knowledge when it comes to health, uh, nutrition and things of that nature. And, and now I actually know some stuff because, um, I've benefited from her schooling. So, uh, I think I've got the hunt harvest tackled <laughs> on the end and she's good. So that's where we're at. But yeah, I, for folks that have heard our podcast, they know, um, you know, my hunting background, my passion for spending time outdoors and, um, also the garden. That's, that's a huge love of mine. So those are, uh, those are what I know. Yeah. Did you guys both grow up that way? Like, did you guys both grow up in environments and places where, you know, this lifestyle was common, this lifestyle of being like a homesteader? Was it? Was that normal for you guys getting married or, or what was the deal? Yeah. Yeah. I think we both did really. Um, you know, my family from grandfathers to uncles to father, they've all been uh, hunters, outdoorsmen, fishermen. Fishing is really big in our family. That always has been. Um, I, I was a guide for years in far off places from Russia to Alaska. And I got to spend a lot of time out there. Um, you know, outfitting people and, and fishing people in these exotic places. And, um, and then, you know, my father was also a big time gardener and I'll be honest, uh, it took me a while to take to the gardening. I, I always, uh, was more of a, someone that wanted to get out, go hit a river, go hit a mountain hike, not spend all my day picking weeds and rocks out of the garden, to be honest. But as I got older, um, and Hill and I, you know, we got a family and 
Um, we got our girls. I really, I really took to gardening and saw a lot of benefit from it. Uh, it's just, and there's just something, something really good about, um, you know, filling the other side of that plate. Like we like to talk about, it's not just the hunting, the red meat, the fish. It's also knowing where the other side comes from as far as vegetables. You know, it, it allows us to eat clean and, um, you know, put up a lot of our own food and, and all that. But yeah, I think, I think we both came from that. Um, our roots were very, um, outdoor oriented and, uh, and I think Hills had, you know, she grew up and her parents were the same way. I can let her speak to that, but, um, yeah, I mean, I grew up in Montana, uh, where we live now. Ryan grew up in Washington where we live for over 20 years. Um, and yeah, we always had a garden. Uh, my parents didn't hunt, but my stepdad did when I was a teenager. Um, and yeah, I think, uh, we were also, I guess what you would call maybe lower income and, uh, it was kind of part of, um, just life, you know, having a garden and growing your food meant you save money. Um, and I, I know, well, we have a debate all the time about whether or not hunting is actually saves you money in the long run. If you're like my husband, it really doesn't. But if you're like typical American, who's maybe getting one or two deer a year, um, it, it does save money, um, spending money, especially on good, healthy meat. That's really expensive at a grocery store. So, um, a lot of people are fed by wild game, um, that they harvest themselves and or they butcher themselves, you know, through chickens or free range cows or cattle or whatever. So, um, yeah, we were both really fortunate to grow up in the West and, uh, kind of out it both necessity and health, you know, we had that exposure. Yeah. What, what, so, I mean, you guys mentioned benefits before too. Tell us a little bit about those benefits. I mean, because the thing is, all right, and this is just if I'm just thinking about it regularly, when I go to the grocery store, I've saved time and energy just going there, grabbing what's on the shelf, putting it in my cart, paying for it. So, like, what's the added benefit that you guys see from a health perspective, a social perspective or a family raising kind of perspective? What's what's the added benefit of going there and not going to the grocery store? Oh boy, I could go on and on about this question I'm sure. for sure. Yeah, um, as far as benefits, I think I think to each his own. Everybody gets something a little bit different, a little bit of a different benefit for spending time outdoors. Uh, when it, if we're talking about hunting, uh, say going out and filling a deer tag or an elk tag, uh, the benefit for myself is uh, just in doing that, it creates this lifestyle around it. Um, there's adventure, there's challenge, there's the reward of, of the meat in the end and knowing, you know, that, that, where that meat was done and processed and, and it was out of respect and, um, and, you know, it's obviously a cleaner meat than what you find in grocery stores typically. Um, but, but for myself and I'll, I'll be honest, it's, it's not just about the meat. I, I get a lot of other benefits with it, these adventures that I take into the mountains in search of, say, a big old mule deer. Mm-hmm. Um, what that forces me to do is stay in shape. It forces me to eat clean throughout the year. These 
these trips that we take into the mountains every year, they're, they're difficult. They're very, um, you know, they, I mean, it takes a lot of energy, a lot of time, a lot of sacrifice to be able to do them right. Uh, if you think about a typical hunt, for example, you know, we, we start the hunt off, say we're going in for five, five to 10 days. Uh, you start off with a, a 50 plus pound pack on your back. Typically you're, you're hiking in, gosh, it varies anywhere from, you know, three, four miles to 10 or 12 miles to get into some of these areas that, that we find beneficial, um, you know, off, off the grid, away from the noise where animals are, are not being, you know, um, where they're just not having a lot of human contact. So we like hunting those areas. And the, the fortunate thing is those areas are, they're amazing places where a lot of people just don't get to see and put eyes on. So, you know, I think, I think for myself to be able to get to those places, you have to put in the work year round. You can't go into say a, a typical hunting season and start working out two, three, four weeks ahead of time mm -hmm. and expect that you're going to be able to get through, you know, some of these hunts without being stoved up and tired and, just completely spent. Um, I think, I think when, you know, you take this on as a lifestyle and, and you think about it as much as some of us do, you have, you just want to be better, uh, as a human, you want to, you want to be more fit, physically fit. Your endurance needs to be good throughout the year. Uh, you want to eat right. You know, you don't want uh, inflammation cropping up when you're on these big adventures. So, you know, it, it forces you to be, in my opinion, to live a cleaner lifestyle, to be, um, you know, more what you aspire to be. And that's, that's healthy and physically fit and all those things. And like I say, to do those trips, right, you have to, you have to go in there and you have to have put in a lot of work and all the work is what's fun. You know, that, that allows you to take on these challenges and not, not get five miles in and just be totally wiped out that you have to hike back down. Um, these days, you know, we'll take on these 10, 12 mile trips and, you know, we'll put on eight, nine, 10 miles every day consistently throughout that. And if we're fortunate and we take an animal, you know, you may have a hundred pounds on your pack. If you take an elk, you may have a hundred pounds on your pack, three different trips out. So you have to be physically prepared for that. And, um, what I enjoy about this lifestyle is just that, like I mentioned, you have to, you have to put in the work. So everything you do back home from your diet to your, you know, um, physical fitness is all in hopes of building these great adventures in the fall season when we take on those challenges. So that's one of the things that I get out of it. There's, there's probably a million others I could talk to, but that's one of the big ones yeah. that I really love is just the entire lifestyle that goes around, um, these hunts that I take in the fall. Yeah. And you just, you just got off a hunt, right? Like a couple of months ago. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, a couple few, few weeks ago, actually, um, I had a, I had a couple great trips there in November, um, one in, in late October and, you know, it was a 11 day trip into some of the, the most magnificent mountains you'll ever see. And it, it was a grind and that's kind of how, how you hope it is. You feel like you earned it in the end. And in the end, uh, me and a buddy of mine, we were fortunate to take uh, a couple of great animals and, and we packed those out and, 
and brought them home. And, um, you know, if it wasn't for, you know, our, our fitness levels and our mental toughness and, and our makeup there, then we would have struggled on that hunt. You know, we, we may have bowed out at, at three, four days, but, um, no, we had an absolute blast. And, um, my hunting buddy is, is similar in his mind that he, he prepares all season long for this so that it, uh, it's easier when we get up there and, and not so difficult, but, um, no, ended the season really, really well. And, Honestly, our freezers are are really looking good. To be quite honest, <laughs> we've got three freezers and they're stuffed to the brim, full of uh, some of the cleanest meat you'll ever see, and it's just delicious. So, now Hillary, when he goes off on these hunts um, for long periods of time, are you getting upset with him if he doesn't bring home something to put in the freezer? <laughs> Uh, well, I live, I have a unique situation in that my husband pretty much brings home something every single time he goes out and he goes out quite a bit. (laughs) Yeah. It's really his lifestyle. Um, and especially like a year like this, he's done a lot of filming, which is really kind of the first time, you know, we moved from Washington to Montana last year and he quit his job that he'd had, you know, working a family business for over 20 years. So he has kind of a new career path and a lot of that involved filming this year in New Zealand, um, in, in Idaho, in Wyoming, et cetera, et cetera. So he's done a number of hunts and when you're being filmed, you're definitely expected to, uh, make it entertaining. So I think he's worked really hard to get an animal each time. However, I've been pretty fortunate as long as I've ever known him, I've never known him to go a season without an animal. Um, so I, uh, I don't get mad anymore about him not getting an animal. I probably get more frustrated about him telling me he's going to go on another hunt and get another animal. (laughs) And I say, wait, we don't have any freezer space for that. So we do end up giving, um, cause we do not, you know, we obviously know people that don't hunt, you know, I have family members who don't hunt, but everybody is more than willing to um, take part in eating the meat. So we do give a lot of meat away. Um, and I think that I'm, 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 you know, over 20 years into this relationship. So I've become very used to it, even though it's hunting season is a year round event in our house. Now it used to be like two months. It's now a year round event. So I have a little bit more of a unique situation where a lot of wives are just dealing with their husbands leaving um, during the hunting season, which is usually the fall. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that gets me thinking, too, because you guys said it's kind of a lifestyle now. It's become this thing that you're always preparing for. Like. Walk me through that, right? Because when you you know you're getting ready, you're staying in the in the gym or however it is that you train physically to prepare, and then when you take an animal, you're you're setting things up to preserve the meat and keep it for a while and that kind of thing. Most most couples, you know, that are married, like my wife and I, you know, we you know we do the the typical like go to the grocery store kind of deal. We'll go to the movies, different stuff like that. What kind of like day to day? does your life look like? I mean, I'm sure you guys are, are just, I mean, pioneers like this. And I'm asking this cause I'm, I'm, I genuinely want to know because we grew up as we, I've talked about a lot, suburbanites, like, you know, entertainment for us isn't, you know, 
shucking corn. It's it's like going to the movies and that kind of deal. And and this lifestyle is so interesting to me. And I just I want to know how it works. Like, what's the day to day look like? Yeah. So, you know, honestly, when your life revolves around food, which I feel like Hill and I's life does revolve around food these days, <laughs> um, whether whether that's a hunting trip or, you know, managing the garden or preserving or preparing food, um, you know, there's a lot that goes into that. Obviously, there's a ton of time. The garden alone, um, you know, our new our new environment here in Montana, we have a sh- much shorter growing season, so it's not as expansive. Um, you know, we start late spring, early summer here, and um, and we have a short window of grow- growing. But there is there is so much time wrapped up into uh, you know come harvest season. You know, there in the fall when everything is is ready to go, you're picking it. Um, you know, you're pulling all the stuff out of the garden. You're getting all the tomatoes ripened up and everything there's a lot of canning involved so you're you're preserving in jars and doing that and i i have a ton of fun doing that mm-hmm. it is a lot i'm just standing around in the kitchen um, um. And, and and this and that but there's uh it, yeah a lot revolves around food obviously well i think too um i think we're a little bit jonathan i think we're a generation ahead of you so we you know, we're in our 40, late, later 40s. And 20 years ago, when we were your age, we were definitely doing more entertainment house type mm-hmm. stuff. You know, mm-hmm. we lived in the same house, though, since the first year we were married. And the gardens that we had originally um, that are on our website, you know, that you can go see and stuff in Washington that we grew, you know, we worked on those for 20 years. And those were always a work in process. And mm-hmm. we had years where really abundant and then we had years where we were just too busy you know either we had little babies or I was in medical school Mm. um, and we just couldn't give the garden the time that it needed and so but you know I think it's it's maybe an age thing um we also had children later in life and um which you know some couples like you guys you may have children (laughs) younger in life and and you have different things that you need to do for kids and stuff. But we also always kind of live rurally. And um, when you live a little bit rural, going to like out and doing tons of entertainment, because we live just an hour from Seattle. So we could be downtown Seattle in an hour, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like probably Nashville, you know, if you live in the suburbs of Nashville, you could be downtown going to music and plays and basketball games and football games. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. <laughs> and we used to do that when we were younger, some, but truthfully, Ryan and I have always been a little bit more homebody-ish type mm-hmm. and we, um, we like being outdoors. Some people might see our life as pretty dang Yeah, boring, I think I'll most people honest. would think we're really, really boring and we don't have a, but we just, there's just always stuff to do. And, and when you're, when you're always, always involved in thinking about, you know, processing and preparing food or, or raising chickens or, or hunting and whatnot mm-hmm. it's if you it, it's exciting and there's always things to work on and like I said you know yeah we don't, we don't really go out to movies or anything like that anymore mm-hmm. honestly we'll just go I down I cannot even tell you a movie frozen frozen because I have two girls that's all I know about oh, I couldn't now it's now it's 
It's more like, uh, well, we got an hour. We'll go downstairs, work out. Yeah, that's go, what we do. Or go for a run. Um, and where we live, uh, you know, I think Hill and I are both the same and that we absolutely love this space that we're in right now. And it's easy to be a homebody when you're out in the country. Everything's beautiful around you. It's mm-hmm. quiet. And, uh, and we've got our little girls here always keeping us entertained, quite honestly. So. Okay. Well, and that's, I was going to say, I don't think y'all's lifestyle is boring at all. I think you guys are some of the coolest people I've met. I mean, me and Leah, um, we just moved kind of south of, of Nashville. Uh, and so we kind of live in the suburbs, but it's one of those suburbs that's, that's was like a farm five years ago, farmland five years ago. So we're like 35 minutes from the city, but it still has that rural feel to it. And one of the things, the reason I wanted to record this podcast is because I'm trying to get it set up where we've got a garden in the backyard and that I live like uh, the lampers and we go out, I go out and hunt and bring stuff in and get the garden going. And, And my wife, she, she thinks that, it's cool. She's just never been exposed to it before. So I made her, um, uh, so I went on a hunt recently too and, uh, brought home a doe and I made these, uh, venison like burrito bowls and she loved it. She's like, when are you going to go out and hunt again? When are you going to bring out, bring some more? And so I think the next year moving forward, I think the lifestyle is about to change. And so I'm trying to get mentally prepared for it and get, you know, the house in order for it. So, um, Tell me, help me out with this. Where where do I need to go first? Like what, in terms of the yard, we'll start with the garden. What do I need to be doing to get things set up for this upcoming grow season? Man, question. Yeah, and it and it is so addicting. Trust me, as you get deeper into this and you, and you start growing or, you know, more hunting and, and preparing, it becomes an addiction. You just you just enjoy doing it. But and he lives in Nashville. So yeah, you have great growing seasons. Much there. longer seasons oh, there yeah. than we do. Oh yeah. Um, you'll just burst in it. Uh, but boy, as far as a garden goes, you know, a garden can be very intimidating. Uh, you know, you've got, you know, first things first. You you want to know what you what you're going to enjoy growing, mm-hmm. and uh, what you don't want to waste time on. Um, you know, in the beginning. Gosh, we would just like throw a bunch of things in the ground and, you know, like way too many beans. It's like, we just don't eat this many beans. So I heard you want to grow stuff that you eat. Is that right? Yes, for sure. Yeah, it just makes sense, right? So, yeah. you know, think about that ahead of time. Obviously, figure out what varieties you, you want to plant and spend, um, spend your energy, you know, growing and uh, your space. Space is typically one of the, you know, one of the big ones that you have to be aware of. I don't, I don't know what your space size is, but, um, you know, I, I hear a lot of people say, start small. I, I say, sure. But when you start small and you think about a growing season, that's like an entire year's worth. So mm-hmm. I, I actually prefer going big in the beginning. If you have the time to invest, mm-hmm. um, getting your soil conditioned right to where you've got a really nice composted organic soil that's uh that's going to work to your benefit i think that's kind of where you start uh we've always done very very well with raised beds mm-hmm. it's kind of a easy way to oh grow your soil as well as weed um keep the keep the plant separate uh it's just very easy to manage versus just putting it in the ground uh, mm-hmm. very hard to manage 
But I think, uh, I think learning about soil is number one. There's nothing more frustrating than throwing seeds in the ground. And, it, and if your soil isn't right, they just don't do anything and become stunted. You're, you're a year down at that point. So, um, you know, soil can be fun, I think, as far as uh, just organically building it up to the point that everything grows really well. Um, and you can get so far deep into that, everything from, you know, your composting of all your garden scrap or your kitchen scraps to, you know, having chickens in the backyard, which in oh, turn yeah. allows you to their compost and, and age that so that you can put that in the garden and fertilize it with it. And, and then, you know, there's, there's, um, there's all the other things that you can do in the off season, uh, plant a, a winter crop and, you know, just keep your ground very, your ground very organic and, uh, and keep adding, you know, organic matter to it and, and keep it built up. You could also go down the road of um, having a worm farm and, and using using the uh, castings of worms, which is extremely beneficial. Uh, a lot of people do that now, and it's one of the probably one of the most beneficial things you could do is find access to worm castings and um, and get get worms into your garden as is, and, uh, and they do they do a lot of wonders with the garden, but. Um, yeah, I think I think building up your soil and getting that right. The problem a lot of people face when they first start a garden is they'll just go out and they'll buy this this bag stuff from um, you know your home or something like that, and you know you're really you're really kind of like playing Russian roulette with that stuff. Some of it's okay, mm-hmm. some of it's just to all get out, and you're really not getting a lot of benefit from it. And it, it you know maybe it could be used as a base. But you're going to need to add some more organic matter and, and some fertilizer and whatnot to it uh, to get it to actually grow stuff properly. Um, I've I've never I, I don't know maybe there is some good stuff out there, but um, you know building up your soil is is number one. And um, you know if you can start with uh, you know a good peat and build on that, adding organic material whether that's leaves or grass clippings or like I said, compost from your kitchen scraps. And, um, it, it's just a fun process and it takes time for sure. And we're actually in the process of building our soil. Now we've been here a year here in Montana and our, our soil is absolute, just hard packed clay. So, you know, I had to bring a little bit of a, you know, a base soil in, and then I'm, I'm in the process of building on that with, um, you know, manures and uh compost material and and alfalfa and all these different things that i can add yard clippings and and things of that nature so it does it does take a little bit of time for sure yeah but i think any anybody can start one and even if you are limited on space um gosh we've grown plenty of food just in buckets on the you know on the porch or buckets you know outside of my actual garden space or the greenhouse or whatnot, you can grow a pretty significant amount of food in just pots and buckets, to be honest. Yeah, well, and that's that's one of the things I was going to ask you, too, is like, you know, because I've got a yard now, but I've, I used to be in an apartment, and I always, <clears throat> always been interested in this lifestyle, but I was kind of limited in my space. I was like, ah, I won't even fool with it. But, I mean, if you're saying that you can grow a lot of food in just a few, like, pots, I mean, you, you said you guys grew enough for you and you and hill and that stuff mm-hmm. wow oh yeah 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and there's certain crops that, that are very easy to grow and they're like very prolific, you know? Um, now there's certain items in the garden that take up a ton of space, but they, they have these big yields, you know, if you're into squash or potatoes or things like that, you can, you can get yourself a lot of food. Um, and it's potatoes are always very easy to grow. Typically all the, the squash varieties and, and zucchinis and whatnot are very easy as well. Um, you know, carrots and I, one of the, one of the greens that, that we do a lot of, uh, is kale. And we also do a lot of chard and, you know, bok choy and things like that. But mm-hmm. kale is, kale is about as easy as it gets and it's highly beneficial. It's, it's very nutritious and, and there's ways that, um, you know, if you have one four by eight kale box dedicated to just kale, you are going to have more kale than you ever, ever imagined <laughs> and, uh, know what to do with. And, you know, we've, we've gotten creative with ways of putting it up, uh, so that we can use that, um, for the off season, um, you know, say in the winter when it's, it's, it's more like soups and stews and, and smoothies and things like that versus, uh, fresh garden greens, um, mm-hmm kale is one of those things you can do you can take a dehydrator and dehydrate those leaves and, and powder them down in a in a processor and you know use that powder for other meals and like i say smoothies but um yeah there's just so much you can do with garden and and you can get so creative with how you process it and decide the to try to preserve it for, you know, those months where your garden is dead, you know. And that's that's what we're finding here you know, we have a long off season. So we're very, you know, seasonal in what we're eating. Uh, obviously in the, in the summer when our gardens just pop in full tilt, we're eating a lot of greens. You know, we have daily salads and, and greens and, and fresh vegetables. And then, you know, we hit this time of year. Um, and in order for us to do that, we would have to invest a lot of energy um, into keeping a, a greenhouse warm to try to keep greens coming throughout the year. So I think what we've done is just figured out that, uh, you know, we're going to eat more seasonally. So, you know, a lot more of the garden greens and whatnot and vegetables and fresh tomatoes in the summers and early, early fall. And then in the, you know, we're, we're basically pulling out a lot of the foods, um, you know, that we've canned and using that for, you know, this winter season and, it ends up being a lot of soups and stews and, and things like that, that, uh, that we had canned, uh, there in the, in the late fall. Yeah. When you, when you're, when you're looking at your garden and you've got some stuff that's just too much for you to deal with that particular week, um, what, what's y'all's method about going about saving it? Like what percentage of the produce do you guys say, you know what, we're going to freeze this or, you know what, we're going to dry this out. Oh boy. Yeah. You know, Typically what happens, uh, probably not the best at this, but, uh, end of the season comes around and, and we've basically just, you know, picked and picked and picked and ate, you know, as we, as we please throughout the summer months and, you know, going into the, into the fall season. And then what we have to worry about here is the, the first freeze of the year. Mm-hmm. There's certain plants that will, will handle that freeze. Okay. And most greens do, you know, carrots, potatoes, things like that. But um, you know, peppers and tomatoes, you have to be very, very aware of that first freeze and it, it'll kill your plants and, and you'll have wanted to prepare for that, get everything picked up, uh, picked off the vines, 
you know, if everything is still green, um, you bring them in the house and uh, there's creative ways of ripening those up in the house and not having to leave them on the boat. So, um, you know, when it comes to all the greens, it, it, it does become like this frantic, holy smokes, you know, we're at the end of our growing season. Um, we got to get this stuff all processed. And, and we've got uh, two, we utilize two dehydrators. We've got these two uh, company called Excalibur makes them. They're, they're nine trade dehydrators. They've got this um, easily regulated temperature control and everything. And it's got a timer. So we just fill those trays up with uh, the greens that we know we're just not going to get to. And they're going to go to waste if we don't. And uh, we pull those off and we fill all the trays up and, and let it run for a few hours, dry them out, and then powder them. And it's a real easy method to, to preserve that stuff. As far as ca carrots and peppers and tomatoes and, um, you know, onions and all those, those things, you know, we, we do a lot of sauces. So tomato sauce uh, is one of those things that you can make and, uh, and utilize a lot of those vegetables and, um, and make these real, you know, extravagant tomato sauces and get those all canned up. And this year wasn't our best season for that, but typically in the past, um, I'll take a lot of those peppers and tomatoes and, and onions and, you know, get them all diced up and make these uh, big pots of, of spaghetti sauce and, and then get them canned up. And, you know, we may get 50 quarts of spaghetti sauce canned up, and that takes up surprisingly a lot of those vegetables that may have gone to waste. Uh, so that's that's one way that we, we burn through a lot of them is um, we do a lot of sauces. And you can also get creative with stews, and, and you can can those as well. And then one of the other aspects, like I talked about, it, you know, lifestyle aspects is with the garden, um, what that allows me to do is build food for these trips that I take in the fall anyway. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you're familiar, a lot of backpackers now, hikers, hunters, you know, they, they take these meals into the backcountry that are very, very lightweight. They're, they're basically a meal that's been dehydrated mm -hmm. or dried. And so, um, like one thing that we've done for a long time here is we take a lot of that food that we, we get out of the garden, we, we cut it up, we, we make, you know, whether it's a rice dish or a quinoa dish loaded with vegetables, a stew, a chili, you know, with foods from the garden. And then we'll take those meals and maybe we'll sit down and have a meal that night. And then everything left over, we'll go ahead and put those in the dehydrator. And we'll make these dehydrated meals that are what I end up using in my fall hunts and on any trip, really. It doesn't need to be in the mountains. It could just be, you know, wherever. And um, we, we rehydrate those meals with a, a small cooker and a little bit of water. And it tastes just like, you know, the meal when you ate it that night that you made it. And that's, that's also a good way. So uh, going into my hunting season, I'll have, you know, 50 bags at the ready of meals that I had put up um, from the summer and the, and the later um, part of the growing season. And most of that just comes from vegetables from the garden and uh, a lot of the, the meats from the prior season. And it's a fun way to build those meals for hunts where you're going to go get, you know, more food to build more meals, kind of um, a revolving door there. Yeah. Man, so 
I wanted to ask this because I think it's interesting too that you've taken it upon yourself as you know the husband to to see to it that your your family's provided for. And of course, you know this is something that I talk about a lot. But I mean, why do you think that men have kind of shied away from that? Um, because it was only, and I, I tell people this all the time, but my granddad um, always used to keep a garden in the backyard, used to hunt rabbit and cook it for my mom and my aunts uh, when they were growing up. And it seems like there's like a generation off kind of thing. Like my mom and them generation didn't really get into that stuff. And now kind of my generation is is starting to see, well, wait a minute, that's that's kind of a good idea. Uh, why do you think that men from your estimation have kind of shot away from, you know, stepping out of the grocery store, maybe stepping into the more wild way to, to, to get food on the table? Good question. Um, I wish I knew the answer to that. I, I think, you know, I think what has happened is a lot of people have maybe, like, like you say, they've grown up and they just don't know that this kind of lifestyle is possible or, or it exists. You know, a lot of people don't have opportunities to go deep into the mountains and see these magnificent places and even ever imagine going on a hunting trip. You know, they just weren't raised with it. There maybe uh, their parents weren't into that or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think what I've seen as of late is a lot of people are getting back there. They're kind of going back to our roots. You know, we all come from hunters. We all come from places that, um, you know, we had to grow our own food. We had to harvest our own food mm-hmm. process. And there is something primal about doing it. You know, it's like uh, it just feels good providing for the family. It feels good, you know, knowing that you went out, you conquered this challenge, you got, you got the meat that's going to provide for the family the rest of the year, or even just the gardening aspect. Um, you know, maybe, maybe gardening isn't looked at as a real manly thing, but I tell you what, man, it it sure feels good to be able to get all that food processed. And that's what you're providing your family for their benefit, um, health wise and all that. So yeah, it's kind of like going out and stacking a quarter of wood or cutting up a bunch of wood. It feels good, right? It, it feels does. like, you know, even my family warm here. I just did something. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think that a hundredfold is going out and taking a deer and then, um, you know, putting up a bunch of canned food for your family to feed on the rest of the year. Yeah. And I have a little bit of a theory too about it as far as like the generational thing goes. And obviously it's a total theory and I haven't researched it. But I think there was a generation prior to World War, you know, the kind of what we call the the greatest generation ever, which would be the World War II generation, right? People that grew up during the Depression, yeah. they um, lived during <clears throat> World War II, and they were adults, young adults like your age in the 1950s, um, or even a little older. You know, they probably remember back more if they did live rural or they didn't live in large cities where they had access to food, let's say they were probably doing, they were having, um, their relationship with food was probably much different than the post-war era where we started to see a large amount of processed foods and boxed foods mm-hmm. and convenient food show up in the grocery stores. Um, you know, the fifties and the sixties was kind of that time where, you know, Betty Crocker and, I don't know, stovetop and all yeah. these brands 
Ample Soup, like all these, these brands showed up on shelves and women were sort of taught that this is the most convenient and healthy way to cook for the family. Mm-hmm. And I think the idea of food sort of changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think that there was a large animal rights activism um, thing that started in the probably the 60s and 70s, mm-hmm. where people started about the welfare of animals um, in activity or, you know, what it meant to eat meat. Um, a lot of Eastern influence started coming into the United States, you know, like from India and Asia, where there's a lot of Buddhism and, and Hinduism and cultures where they don't eat meat, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think that there was a big change in the way we saw animals as food. And I think part of that, you know, with not just the processed food and making it more convenient for you to get your meat, you just add it to this box noodle and you don't have to go out and it's going to be easy for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you have this movement of, well, killing animals and or eating animals is either bad for us and or not spiritually ethical. Um, you know, so I think there was a lot of transitions in the 50s, 60s, and 70s post-war era that changed just the way that we saw food. And then if you want to throw in there, you know, the processing of foods like low fat became popular. So you were eating margarine instead of butter, you know, <laughs> carb, eat, you know, then it was high carb, low carb. Um, but everything was really processed and mm. even our meat was really processed. And so um, I think everything goes in cycles. Right. And I think that we've kind of we've, we 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 swung so far to the side where. Now food is just like this thing that is, has access everywhere, and now it's like you have no relationship with it. It's become and, so easy to get yeah. cheap food. The problem is that cheap food is creating this just monster of an epidemic of mm-hmm. unhealthy foods out there, I feel like. And, you know, it, it kind of goes back to that, what they say. It's like a life of ease is not a life worth living. Um, you know, doing, doing things like this is, is hard. It's, it's challenging, but I tell you what, you feel better about it. You feel better about yourself, but there is a lot of time invested. And, you know, that may be one of the things that has gone into why people have gotten away from it. Um, you know, the world has changed, society's changed. Generally, both parents are working long hours. It's hard to find time Mm -hmm. and, uh, gardens take time, trips, take time, processing food, takes time yeah, I mean, the and there's this unit. there's Come this on, alternate way of doing it and that's just like yeah. going to the grocery store and you could buy a, a box but i think i think most people have come to the realization that something in a box something that has ingredients that you can't even pronounce uh you can't even read the back of some of these labels that is not doing us any favors for our long-term health mm-hmm. um to real food um, I think that's where it's at. And I think a lot of people are wake up, waking up to that fact. Yeah. And there's no doubt the family units have changed, you know, I mean, a woman's job and I'm not saying this sexist cause I'm an educated woman who goes to work every day. Sure. Um, I would want my daughters to have the same opportunities I have had. But if you think about it, um, if you were to go into a pioneer's life, the women spent all day doing food. They were churning butter. They were milking cows. They were making. Close. They were making food. The minute breakfast was done, they were getting ready to make lunch for the guys out on the in the fields. You know, I mean, it was like, it was constant. Um, where 
are we going to find food? How are we going to get it? And then making sure it's preserved and cooking it. So just this whole thing of convenience food, I mean, really think about it. It is so new. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the whole idea of like not working for what you take in every day, that's also a new concept. You know, you're not even burning calories to eat that food anymore. Whereas before, you know, you figure to churn butter, man, that butter's so good. How, how many calories did you burn up churning butter all day? Mm-hmm. You know, I think uh, we just, have that's another thing. And, and, and that's probably why we see the rates of obesity, which is over 70% now in the United States population. Um, it's why we see these inactive lifestyles is that partially our ancestors were working all the time to figure out how to just put food on the plate. Um, whether it was farm season, harvest season, planting season, um, hunting season, whatever, you know, that's pretty much what life evolved around. And, um, living in a city changes that, you know, it changes that because now everything has become convenient for you, but you are now reliant on other people to do it and you're reliant on the trucks to get it there and you are reliant on the gasoline to make it happen. So there's no doubt that, um, you know, it's changed our whole body chemistry and our, the way we even, you know, the way we even are based on that. Yeah. I think, I think when you look at, um, you know, the convenience of food now, you know, it's, it's really, when you have to work for something, you you got a lot more respect for it, right? If it's handed to you, it's it's worth it's done you it's done you no good um Mm -hmm. but when you work right uh one thing you'll notice for folks that do prepare their own food go out hunt it harvest it whatever um you're not gonna you're not gonna waste any food there's a massive amount of food out there that's wasted um or just people overindulge because it's cheap they have no idea where it came from they just it's not they didn't earn it. They didn't put any work into it. There's no respect for it. When you when you do all this, you put all this time and energy uh, into an animal or a, or a vegetable or whatever, or just the cooking process, you know, staying home and, and making your own meals, that you respect it more. You sit down, you feel like you accomplished something, you earned it, and um, there's there's a whole lot more there than when pizza guy shows up hands you a pizza it's like you just just open eat it and there's nothing there's nothing to uh you didn't earn that you didn't do anything for it maybe you earned the dollars but um there's something completely different when you've uh gone out there and put in all this work and and actually physically earned it and um put all your energy into creating that meal yeah man let me ask you this hillary real quick Hearing this from Ryan and kind of seeing him go out and do what he does out there to, to, to you know, to put food on the table and to have an adventure as well, but to, to put food on the table. I'm curious to know what this how this makes you kind of feel as as a woman. Like, does it does it provide a sense of security, appreciation? Like because I'm going to hear a lot of guys that will say, OK, Jonathan, you know, gardening is cool. Hunting is cool. But that's just not necessary for for the marriage or that's not something that i think my my wife would find value in can you speak to to that or speak to that guy for a minute yeah uh that's a good question um i think that women and men 
uh, I think that I'll just speak as a woman is that women are, are a little bit different. And I think the way we see the world, because the majority of women, they do not hunt, you know, hunting has been traditionally a man's thing. Not, and there's a lot of women, I think it's the number one growing de- um, demographic right now of hunting of is women. Yeah. So I'm not saying women don't, they, but traditionally, um, I think going back to the whole idea of how food has changed is that I think the representation of what a woman feels about her husband doing some, something like that may have changed with that. You know, mm-hmm. if um, you didn't grow up with hunting and you didn't grow up having a father or a grandfather or anybody who did this and you're suddenly with a guy who does this, um, you may not see it as providing for your family. You may see it as a selfish thing that he does in order to, get away from you or to spend less time with you Mm -hmm. um you may see it as a competition with you and i'll tell you i had lived like that for probably the first decade of our marriage this is not something i just came to willingly or acceptingly and that's because i didn't grow up with hunting in my family and Mm -hmm. actually i had somewhat of an anti-hunting background um Um, and so I felt that it was just something he wanted to do we didn't need the meat we could just go buy meat you know Mm -hmm. Um, he wanted to do it. He wanted to go have his thing to do. And so I think that as I've gotten older and I see the value that it does bring to our family, um, it's helped me to understand that him having that aspect of him where he actually needs to do that, um, makes him healthier if I support him and it makes our family healthier, um, Mm -hmm. because it does fulfill that really strong, um, Thing that we believe in that you know you should be connected to your food mm-hmm. but that's a process you know and most women they'll see it as like well you don't need to do that you could just stay home and you could just like you said earlier just go to the grocery store why do you need to go through all that stuff to get meat and um it can be a very difficult place for a girl a, a gal a, a woman who's never had that in her life to understand it. Mm -hmm. Um, I also feel that, um, I also feel that there's just a lot of so many distractions nowadays in people's lives with, and there's a lot of, um, complexities that we have where we are, we demand so much of ourselves all the time. Mm -hmm. um, And we demand so much of others all the time that, um, everything becomes sort of like you, you, it's easy to see how people can get, um, upset about certain things where they just, they either feel left out or they don't understand it. Or, um, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I think that the, I think that, um, I think the man who's never done it before and he's maybe called to do it. Mm-hmm. I, I, definitely important for him to have a spouse who supports it because there's nothing worse i think because i've lived through this as my husband right there's worse than like him going out it would be like you going out and harvesting your first deer and all the pride you feel and all this like you know there's this thing about you that you have where you feel different and you think wow i just did this not only that you know i think that Anybody who's an ethical hunter, there's grief, you know, there's remorse. You mm-hmm. you think, oh, my God, I just took a life, you mm-hmm. know. Um, 
all the emotions that you go through mm-hmm. and then to come somebody who absolutely could care less about what you did and actually berates you for it. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, and that's really hard. And that happens with a lot of marriages, um, with this. And I think that comes down because the men just don't communicate well enough with their wives, their, their why, you know, why do I need to do this? And why is it important for me to feel like I am providing for you and for our children or for us? Um, why, what is it about me that needs to do this and needs to be connected with that? And I feel like a lot of men, they just aren't good at expressing these things. And so they just don't communicate that. And truthfully, most women, I think if you sit a woman down and you tell her these really emotional aspects of your, of your why, Mm-hmm. she probably would be like, oh, okay, I yeah. get it. But mm-hmm. a lot of men don't do that. They're like, well, I worked all week and now I'm just going to go hunting all weekend and what's your wife going to do? Like, oh, great. So now you have another hobby and you don't want to spend it with me. And then it just becomes a conversation. So I think it's good to have those conversations where what is important to us as a couple, is food important to us? Is our long-term health important to us? Is the health of our children important to us? You know, those are conversations. And and what does that mean to us? And it may not even be hunting, you know, it may be getting out and being in nature together, going hiking or um, growing a garden. Growing a garden is really frustrating and can be quite like work (laughs) overload. And if you don't have the conversation beforehand, you're probably going to give up because it's it can be um, pretty daunting. But when you eat that first salad or you eat those first potatoes or whatever that you grew and you just kind of, you know, you get it. And so it's a hard question. And I think it depends on the couple. Obviously it depends on where they come from. It depends on if they have hunting in their family or not. And if they have these, these values in their family or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I think men just need to be more honest with their wives and express to them that, you know, it's not a competition, um, and that they're not purposely wanting to leave their family. Um, you just have the conversation about what, what it is that you're getting from this and providing for them. And, um, these are part of those heartfelt conversations that I think a lot of marriages, they just never have. And then you have resentments built up, you know, especially if a woman is home with young children all the time, Mm. um, she's going to, really resentful and she may not understand why you would want to do that and leave and be gone and you know blah 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 so I think that these are conversations that you know are pretty important but I think I just don't think our culture anymore has any rights of passages for boys Mm -hmm. um, that healthy you know that aren't healthy we have a lot of rights of passages for boys I think that are very unhealthy you know um, doing risky behaviors. I mean, this is just part of testosterone. And we talked about that in the, in the last podcast I did with you, but boys have a lot of testosterone and and they need good initiation and good rites of passage things in order to turn them into men. And if you, if you don't have those and what you see is things happening where that testosterone is negatively impacting not only the person, but also maybe society in the whole Um, and so we see a lot of violence. We see a lot of just stupid things. And I think that hunting can be a really great, um, coming of age and or initiation, right. For a young boy or even a young girl, if that's what she wants to do. But I always say, you know, girls actually 
they know when they come of age, they have a period. <laughs> you know, yeah. women have women have a ceremony that just naturally happens. Yeah. And if you have good women around you, they help you through that. And you're kind of initiated into womanhood. Men don't really have that. Mm-hmm. And so I think why in the old cultures, in tribal cultures, because, you know, you were all tribal at one point, mm-hmm. wherever you were on the planet, your people were tribal. Mm-hmm. And they had creation and coming of age ceremonies for, for men and women. And um, we just don't see that anymore in our culture. It's just kind of like, get an iPhone, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> or, or uh, you know, you're eight, you're 16. So like, let's give you an exploding metal coffin to drive down the road at 70 miles an hour. You know what I mean? Just because you're 16 now, it's like, they need to, they need to know the, the risk of things. Yeah. And there's definitely risk. I mean, there's risk with hunting, right? Like hunting invokes massive amount of responsibility. Mm-hmm. Not only are using some sort of weapon that is deadly Mm -hmm. um, to not only animals, but to humans is you, you have to have, you have to be thinking correctly. You have to be, and then not only that you kill an animal. Now you have to be able to mentally and emotionally understand what you just did, Mm -hmm. you know? And what we see is when we don't have proper initiation is we get these boys who do horrific sociopathic things to animals and or to to other humans they don't their filter is totally like non-existent and they haven't been taught um how to respect life you know and that's what it really comes down to so hunting in itself is is a huge rite of passage Mm -hmm. because once you something you now have to deal with the ramifications of that and what that means and be emotionally and mentally either sound or have somebody that's mentoring you that can walk you through that process. And yeah. so many young men, they just don't have that, you know, and it, it's not a good mixture. It's not, it's not good. No. So I think if you find a mentor in hunting or in whatever it is, you know, I mean, martial arts or I don't know, there's so many things finding a mentor and then going through the process to actually become an expert that takes years that takes a lifetime but you have to start with the proper initiation so i don't know yeah Yeah, i mean when you're when you're young and 16 17 18 and yeah like hill's talking about your testosterone raging um it's very easy to get yourself into probably bad situations out there um and and folks but i tell you if you if you find time in the mountains to be a benefit or if you're, you're raised with it or you had that mentor to show you the benefit of it, um, like I was, I was very fortunate to have that. Um, you, you, you do get this respect for it and you end up living your life more careful. <laughs> you don't want to get in trouble. You don't want to get in fights. You don't want to get have an assault charge. You don't want any of that because that could jeopardize your ability to spend time in the mountains to go hunting and uh hunting does like my wife said i mean it absolutely forces you to be responsible um maybe not everyone but if you have a mentor teaching you that in the beginning that's just how it ends up working out so um but what man what a great outlet for young uh, men with all that testosterone because i'll tell you it's very few you know, times at the end of the day that you're just not wiped out, exhausted, 
you just you know completely emptied your gas tank on some of these hikes and and trips and packs and um no i think it's one of the best things you know a, a teenager just a young male can do um physically and mentally is uh take on big challenges big adventures and uh you know if that's in the mountains on a hunting trip so be it i think it's extremely beneficial i know it was for me oh man well, it, that i got I, this is the last question but i, I you guys kind of got me off on a tangent really quick is that what you guys um do you guys think that to some extent a lot of the outbursts and outrage that a lot of our young men are dealing with you know miss do you think it's like misplaced or misdirected um testosterone to some degree is that what you guys are alluding to here my wife could probably speak to that but i i feel like uh i don't know and this is just me from a distance i i, I was never in like video games so I see a lot of young men doing, spending all their time on a couch playing video games. <laughs> okay. um, so I, I don't have a lot of respect for video games, but um, I don't, I don't know that you're expending the energy, energy, and uh, you know, spending your time wisely and growing physically um, and mentally, unless you're doing something difficult, like mm-hmm. challenging, something that I've always thought is extremely important. Um, to the point that you're just exhausted at the end of the day. Now, I don't know, maybe video games does that for some, but um, for myself, uh, you know, being wiped out at the end of the day, you just felt like you did. And I think a lot of young men, maybe they're, maybe they are, they're just cooped up a little bit too much. They don't have that outlet. Sports is that for a lot of them. I think that's great. Uh, hunting is that for some of us. Um, but I think it's important to uh, to have that, physicality something that you do that um that just tests you and and you know challenging your keep challenging yourself is probably one of the best things you could do especially you know, most, as a male most of the men that i see are young men that i see that have um health issues and or depression um and are even low hormone issues and stuff like that you know they don't have a whole lot of drive um there's not and I don't know what's the chicken and what's the egg, you know, did they just grow up staring at their phone and playing video games all through their teens and not, not being part of sports or, you know, or were they um, overly active in sports and they had a number of concussions and head traumas that decreased, you know, hormonal stuff. And then they got depression. I mean, there's a number of different reasons. I, I think though that we see alarming rates of mental disease, um, and violence uh, that is acted out in very severe ways today is that we didn't used to see. And I, I think that that's because, um, I think that's because of one, our social media world and this idea that, you know, you could be famous, like anybody could be famous mm. and you're not mentally sound and your body. Oh, see that. And your body's not mentally, uh, your body's not physically healthy is that the brain gets, the brain can tell itself all kinds of crazy stories because you do have biochemical issues. And then you go to the doctor and they just put you on more chemicals, right? Mm-hmm. And now you're like, you, you haven't changed your lifestyle. You haven't changed your body composition. You're not sleeping. You're still playing the video games, mm-hmm. um, you know. 
um, and you still are on social media and you're looking for this way to get fame. It's like any, any there's there's no other time in history where it's been like this. You know, I mean, to be famous back in the day, you had to work hard and be someone like. I don't know, like <laughs> right. you had to work hard to get there. And now it's like you can just be on YouTube and you can just be famous. Yeah. Um, and so people, I think young men, um, if they don't have enough activity, they don't have good body composition. Um, one, too much estrogen turns you angry. It turns you emotional <laughs> and it makes you do things that aren't rational. Mm. And that's for men. And this is what happened when you see a high body fat content in men. And I think uh, a lot of that and that's is just physiolo- physiology. I see it just in my office and I see it with patients. But I think, too, that, you know, the culture is confusing to people and people just don't connect. Yeah. They just don't connect the same way unless you have. I feel like today, even more so than any other time, because Ryan and I knew each other when we didn't even have a cell phone. I mean, we had like a flip phone and it sucked. You couldn't really do anything with it. That colleague, um, you know, we, we even talk about how we were more interactive in each other's lives because we didn't have this diversion. So now you have children growing up with these huge diversions in social media and your connections are changed, you know, unless you're part of an active group, you know, like a sports group. I think that's why sports are actually good for kids is they, they create teamwork they create a sense of responsibility to somebody else, um, which, and not just yourself, which is really important. Um, and there's expectations, right? Your coach expects something of you. Um, that, that's, that's actually important for neural development. Um, and you create a family, you know, a family unit. And that's why a lot of underprivileged children or low income or children from addicted families or from whatever, they tend to go to sports. Because sports creates that family for them that they need in order to be healthy and not go down this path, you know, their parents did or whatever. And um, and then the other aspect of that is like, you know, maybe church groups or that kind of thing where you can go in and people are the same thing like the football team. You know, it's like you are yourself, you share yourself, you have vulnerabilities, you have strengths, and those are all worked on and, you know, um, played on and so I think that we're losing a lot of that sometimes in our culture because everybody's in their phone and they think they're going to find that in their phone. Mm-hmm. And it's, we just don't, I don't see it. I don't see it in our lifetime. And we remember a time when we didn't have that. I don't see people having more. I see us having more friendships around the world. Like we would never know you without social media. Like it's totally right. awesome. Yeah. But the fact that we're sitting here having a conversation over the computer is amazing and that we can be friends. But if that, you know, most people aren't doing that, they're staying just in their little tiny field of vision, you know, so there's good and there's bad, but it has changed people and it has changed the culture and it makes people lazier. I hate to say that it makes (laughs) to leave their house. Mm -hmm. They don't have to. They don't, you don't have to do, you don't have to go kill an animal to eat, at least in the first world. Yeah, I think, I think boys acting out would be a lot different. It'd be a lot less if, for number one, exercise, activities, and having an end goal. Um, And to bring this all back to hunting, which I keep trying to do, (laughs) because that's my world. But Mm -hmm. hunting gives you a goal. Um, 
you know, you've got this thing that you work towards and, and it feels really, really good when you accomplish it and you have to take all these steps. You have to deprive yourself of certain things, you know, sugar laced foods, processed foods. You can't be lazy and sit on the couch. There's all these steps that you have to go through. So you respect. And when you get to that goal and you finally take that animal you're looking for, it was this long process. And, um, yeah, it, it's just my opinion, but I think I think a lot of the young men today, we wouldn't have be seeing these outbursts and, and the obesity epidemic if there's just a lot more activities um, that they could get into, such as hunting, that gave them this end goal and you had to work towards it. I know that for me, I, like I said, I was very, very fortunate to have these mentors and, and families that lived that way. So I just walked right into it and it helped me. But I see others that that weren't raised with it or, you know, taken completely different paths. And uh, yeah, I, that's just my opinion. But Yeah. No, I, I appreciate you guys sharing that, man. We we were going to do a podcast on uh, homesteading, but we got into a, a bigger conversation. So I, I appreciate that. Um, how can we connect with you? How can the guys connect with what you guys are doing if they don't know already? So Hunt Harvest Health, um, we've got a website, huntharvesthealth.com. Uh, they're on the, on the IG as well. And then um, for myself, my IG is uh, the Healthy Hunter. So it's basically stealthy, but throw an H in there for healthy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's mm-hmm. where I, you know, I kind of show my life and, and answer a lot of people's questions and hope to uh, motivate people to get out and take on these big adventures and that's kind of the platform and that's how I use it but um, yeah huntharvesthealth.com I think there it is yeah. um, how can we connect with I'm you oh I'm at doc Hillary on Instagram doc Hillary um, I do a lot of posting on the hunt harvest health I'm pretty much the poster on hunt harvest health so you can message me there as well. My personal one, I try to do it, but sometimes it's hard to maintain two IG accounts <laughs> and everything else. So either way is is good for us. And um, yeah, we we have just a lot of information. We have some free programs on our website at huntharvesthealth.com. If you want some like gut health programs, we do have the testosterone project on there um a lot of recipes as far as wild game and and lots of blogs about everything we're talking about here you know our why and and we have some contributors um that help us write blogs and stuff as well some millennials your age that um are into hunting and have a small farm in Pennsylvania Joe and Emily yeah yeah so they do great writing and they've contributed a ton to, to us um which is nice because they have a nice youthful perspective. Maybe we're a little jaded in our old age, so it's good to have those youth, <laughs> those young people around to keep us um, uh, up, too crotchety. Up to yeah. Be, yeah, I feel like we do a lot of this. Like, I walk 20 miles in the snow, and I like, you know, all this stuff. <laughs> well, I went off on video games, so I'm obviously way old. You are old. You went off on video games. I know. Yeah, I just lost half numbers because you said that. (laughs) Well, a video game once in a while, okay? Like, it's like anything, you know? (laughs) Have a vodka once in a while. Don't drink a fifth every day. You know, it's it's not, it's like enjoy 
don't destroy your life. That's how I like to put it. Um, and, <laughs> but, yep, so that's how you can find us. Perfect. And, right, um, John, tell, tell us how we can find you in case we decide to share this on our podcast so our listeners can find out about you. For sure, yeah. So, I, my, um, I'm active. I'm trying to get, so I'm trying to figure out the social media thing too, Hill, because I've got a personal and then I've got one for the podcast. But uh, at underscore Jonathan West is my personal one. I think that that's going to be the main one that I switch to. But if you decide to follow the other one, it's at being husband pod. That's at being husband pod on Instagram there. Uh, you can see. Uh, the post about my first hunt on my page uh, at underscore Jonathan West. And that was a really, really good time. It was inspired actually by a podcast of of you guys uh, that you guys did with Robbie Kroger of Blood Origins. So I got to thank you guys for for that introduction. That was that was awesome. So. Yeah, Robbie's doing great things, boy, traveling all over the world, talking to people with his mission. So it's pretty cool. Got happy to see that you were on there and you guys hooked up. That's great. Oh, yeah, it was cool. It, I, I got to say thank you guys again for, man, just doing what you guys are doing. This is this is cool. It's opening up doors and eyes and, and all that kind of stuff. So keep keep at it. <laughs> so okay. right. thanks, Jonathan. Thanks, Jonathan. No problem, man. Y'all take care. Okay. All right, gentlemen, and there you have it. Another one in the books. A great conversation from the Lampers. I mean. I could talk to them, no lie, for like another five-hour episode, and it'd be great. Those guys are great. I love them so much. Um, I forgot to mention this in the intro. I hope you guys had a great Super Bowl Sunday. Hope your team won. Um, sorry about it if they didn't. I was just thankful to have wings. So with that being said, gentlemen, hit me up on Instagram, at underscore Jonathan West, if you guys have any questions, need any prayer, uh, or just want to kick it. I'm, I'm down. I'm open. My door is open. So uh, reach out to me on there. You can also reach out on the at being husband pod. That's at being husband pod Instagram page as well. I'm promoting that a lot less because I'm trying to get more of you guys on my actual personal page uh, just because managing two accounts is hard. <laughs> so with that being said, gentlemen, I hope you have a great rest of the week. We will see you on Theology on Thursday. And I mean that because... I said that last time and I didn't deliver a theology on Thursday, but I mean that this time I will see you on theology on Thursday with that. Take care and build on.